Welcome to A Tribe Called Yes, the podcast that brings you closer to the world's most notorious risk takers, trailblazers, and enemies of the status quo. Now, here's your host, Darren K. Roberts. Welcome to the tribe. Today we have Calvin Gladney. What's up? Mr. Gladney is the founder of Happier Better Lawyer, professional development platform that teaches white-collar professionals how to reach their full potential, either as entrepreneurs building their own businesses or as entrepreneurs being entrepreneurial within their current company. Calvin is also managing partner of Mosaic Urban, a real estate investment and consulting firm which helps revitalize urban neighborhoods around the country. And if that's not enough... He in teaches <laughs> in the spare time. He teaches entrepreneurship to grad students at Georgetown University. Welcome to the tribe, Calvin Gladney. Man, how are you? What's up, man? I'm I'm excited to be here. Blessed to wake up and see another day. And you know, it's been a long time coming. So I'm glad. Thanks for uh, letting me be on the podcast. And uh, you know, hopefully, drop some jewels for your ever-expanding audience, I must imagine. Well, first of all, you know, the, the thank you. You've been the hardest, the hardest <laughs> person to schedule because, man, you are you are globetrotting around the world, you know, spreading the good news on entrepreneurship and, uh, and transition. And so many of our listeners have said, you know, they want to get more tactics and strategies for making successful transitions. So when I think about your resume, it looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. I mean, it, it goes everywhere, man, but it all makes sense in retrospect. So just kind of talk us through the milestones and then we're going to get into some of the strategy. Gotcha. Yeah, it all makes sense in retrospect. <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, you just got to I, I think one of the things I've learned over time and I try to tell people is follow things that are interesting and things that you're passionate about and and you know in some cases you know just jump off the diving board and and not be 100% clear uh whether there's concrete or water down there um and you know I, I've sort of done that and it's it's all sort of worked out so I I am what I like to call a fully recovered attorney so I've done the uh 10-step program you know, I got my little uh, certificate that I framed on the wall. But uh, as you know, we're we're alumni of one of those institutions out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, so after law school, I decided that I was going to continue with the law and went and worked at a law firm, Latham and Watkins, and I was a real estate associate. And then I jumped from Latham and went to work for actually D.C. city government still acting as an attorney, but in kind of a real estate capacity. And then, and this is a perfect example of sort of jumping off the diving board, got the opportunity to move from DC to San Francisco. And when I tell you it was jumping off the diving board, when I went to the interview, it was my first time ever in San Francisco. So I knew nothing about the West Coast. I grew up in a little small town that I like to call Brooklyn, New York. So, (laughs) you know, San Francisco was literally the wild, wild west. Uh, and got a a job there where I was general counsel of this 250-person real estate development company. And the general counsel essentially manages all of the external lawyers that are working for the company uh, and also does a lot of stuff on the business side, which really got me thinking that maybe I don't want to be a lawyer uh, forever. And although I did probably have that thought a long time ago, and um, it really got me 
the opportunity to show some business acumen hmm. rather than just my ability to lawyer, um, which was part of one of the reasons I took the job, even though I had not been to San Francisco and felt like I didn't know anybody. But back up, I, I want to back yeah. up real quick. I'm gonna. How did you get the initial interview? I, I'd love to know. You know, we would love to know how. How did that oh. first interview come about? Where you, you know, you you are you are one of those kind of chief strategists, uh, pulling rabbits out of hats and making connections. So, how did that first interview come about? Oh, it's the story of my life. This is perfect example of the story of my life. So, literally, uh, a friend of mine who lived in D.C. was a real estate guy, um, had moved out to San Francisco, and you know, I was talking to him, and he had a friend, and his friend. Um, his friend's wife, uh, moved from DC to San Francisco. So his friend said, Hey, well, I'm going to be back in town in DC. Um, he was saying this to my friend. Um, and do you know anybody that would just be cool for me to meet with? Cause you know, I don't know a lot of folks. Uh, and the guy says, my friend says, Hey, well, you should meet with my friend Calvin and just grab a beer with him. And so he comes into town, this guy comes into town, and he had moved with his wife to San Francisco and had just gotten a job as a as a headhunter. And so one of his clients was this this real estate development company, and they said, well, hey, we got this unique thing we need. We, we want to hire a new kind of vice president, and that person would basically manage – the project managers who are doing the real, real estate development deals, they would also be the kind of liaison with the executive committee. Um, and we need somebody who's kind of that middle management to be a business person managing all the business people, particularly the project managers. Um, they did searches, 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 couldn't find anybody. So fast forward, he flies to D.C., we're having a beer, we're just talking to talk. And at that time, I'm a lawyer in city government. Um, and at the same time, by the way, I was buying and flipping houses on 8th Street in D.C. in my spare spare time. So that's just how I roll. Um, and we're talking and he says, you know, now I know you've been a lawyer and you're a lawyer right now. But, you know, I've been working on this search and, you know, I don't know, like this would be crazy. I, I could go back to them and say, hey, I found a guy who's actually never worked in business, but I actually think he might be a good fit. And maybe we could just do a different thing. So I said, you know what? Sure, tell him whatever you want. And he goes back to them and he said, he sort of talks about me and tells, tells them about me. And they're like, well, you know, I don't know. We were looking for a business person. He's gonna, this person is going to manage all these project managers who are all business people. They all went to business school, real estate school and the like. I don't know. But you know what? Why don't we do a conference call with him and just kind of do what we do. And so the funny thing is they set up this conference call on the fly and I'm literally at happy hour and I pop out a happy hour and do a conference call with the CEO and the EVP after a couple of beers. And so I'm just like flying off just the top flow. And, and I got, I got nothing to lose. Right. I'm like, I got a job. It's not like I have to move to San Francisco and it's a whole new thing. And apparently went, it went well. They fly me out to San Francisco. I do a series of interviews with board members, the CEO, the same people in person, and I get the job. Nice. So then and how so, long do you spend out in San Fran? So I was in San Fran for about four and a half years. Mm. But being the East Coast guy that I was, I just decided that I couldn't stay on the West Coast. <laughs> I'm more of an East Coast kind of guy and just decided I want to get back, either go back to New York or, or move to D.C. And so then... 
moving back to the East Coast, I was, this is where after being general counsel and also working on an um, equity fund that the, the development company had, I really had the bug to say, you know what, I'm going to be a business person. And so let me think about if I move back to the East Coast, what kind of jobs can I take where I'm no longer a lawyer? And uh, I was lucky enough to get a job at another kind of quasi-public um, government real estate agency, um, which was called the Anacostia Waterfront Corporation. And their charge was to take all of these properties around this river in Washington, D.C., and redevelop them. And a lot of them were formerly owned by the federal government. And it was essentially a startup. And it was only a couple of employees. And so I was able to get a job there as a, basically as vice president, as a, like a project manager, where I had no legal responsibilities whatsoever. And it was my first pure business side job. Wow. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. When did you start making the transition into teaching other folks how to be entrepreneurial and you know one thing i want to say for folks out there in the tribe you know whether you are a lawyer or not a lot of the principles and strategies you're about to hear translate to wherever you are you can be a chef you can be a teacher it doesn't matter but a lot of what calvin is going to have to say here is going to help you in whatever profession you currently reside in and so just talk about how you started teaching people and, and you've i mean the, the groups are endless but when did you make that transition to help people become more entrepreneurial? Well, this would be another example of the story of my life because it's all sort of random occurrences. Uh, and I'm glad you made the point about general applicability of these tactics because uh, I've been teaching entrepreneurship now for about six years and 99.9% of the people I teach are not lawyers. Hmm. Uh, and so it's actually kind of interesting because I have this sort of none of the above background of, you know, real estate development, consulting, teaching entrepreneurship. I'm doing all these things that I actually wasn't formally trained in. So I didn't, you know, I didn't go to business school. I didn't go to real estate school. Uh, you know, I didn't, I don't have a finance background. I don't have any of those backgrounds. And I just decided, and this is, you know, what should be true for the tribe as well. You can learn what you need to learn. You can partner with whoever you need to partner with and figure out how to complement the skills you do have and you can do it. So mm. it's not one of those cases where, oh, well, if I wasn't trained in finance, I could never be a business person. Or if I don't know anything about marketing, how am I going to do these things? How am I going to make these transitions? All of this stuff is teachable. And frankly, one of the things that is sort of a core theme of mine is there's no such thing as a born entrepreneur. Um, some people have inclinations, some people have some biases that help them out, but entrepreneurship and the ability to be entrepreneurial is teachable, it's learnable, it's trainable. And if you can get the mindset and the tools, which, you know, I try to give people, uh, you can be an entrepreneur too. So, uh, it's definitely not something where you're like, look, if I wasn't selling lemonade at five years old and made a thousand dollars, uh, then I can never be an entrepreneur. It's just not true. So if you're sitting in a cubicle right now and you're saying to yourself, man, I really want to make that jump. I've been listening to Darren. He's got me amped. He's got me charged. Know that you can do it. So I'm glad you uh, you, you said that. And, um, this is a, and this is a good point. That I, I want to point listeners to make sure that they go to happierbetterlawyer.com all right happierbetterlawyer.com because one of the things i enjoy 
is subscribing and listening and reading some of your blog entries. And <laughs> and uh, let me tell you something, man. You know, is it a GIF or a GIF? I'm going to ask you this. How do you pronounce it? I don't know. I've heard it both ways. GIF, GIF. Uh, I believe it's a GIF. Okay, I'm with that. It's a GIF minus the T. So you have a mastery of GIFs that makes it, it's it's nice man i'm gonna i'm gonna copy your style but so many of your articles are on point with with real actionable tips i know one that really touched me was your five action steps every lawyer must take to be an entrepreneur you wrote one on you know grinders and finders and minders mm-hmm. and organizations what would you say are sort of you know your go-to list when you're trying to coax people into becoming the entrepreneurs that they want to become, what are some of the tried and true steps that you point them in the direction of? Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I would say is people skip a step. uh, And actually, I'm going to create an infographic on this so people could actually go to happyabetterlawyer.com slash contact and they could just sign up and email me and say, hey, I want that free thing you said on uh, the Tribe Called DS podcast and I'll, I'll, I'll get it to them. Nice. I think what happens is when people are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and being entrepreneurial, they they think about the business and they spend a lot of time saying, oh, okay, well, what's my ideal client? What's my target market? Okay, what's my niche? You know, what's the business? How's it going to make money? They think about all these things. And I actually think that's skipping a step. And it's actually skipping a step that really can be a make or break um, aspect of whether you're successful as an entrepreneur. And it's thinking about you hmm. before you think about the business. So, and I, I would say there's three pieces of that. There's three things you need to think about that's about you before you even think about becoming an entrepreneur. Um, the, and I'll say all three and then I'll break them down really quickly if we have the time. Um, the first is you need to think about what lifestyle do you want to live? Like, what kind of life do you want to have? And you want to basically build a business that works for that lifestyle you want to have. Um, perfect example of that would be there's a lot of people that, you know, let's say you're, you're working at a company, but you cook and you really like cooking and you're thinking, you know, everybody loves my food and I want to open up a restaurant. And you have like a three-year-old. Um, well, if you work backwards from thinking about your lifestyle and then you say, OK, well, I think I want to open up a restaurant. Well, it turns out that opening up a restaurant and being in the restaurant business is an, is an activity that happens during all the usual quality family time, <laughs> right? So you're, if you own a restaurant from you know, 4 p.m. to 11 p.m., Monday through Saturday or Sunday, that's prime time for you. On weekends, when people are out, it's 80 degrees, it's Saturday afternoon, you're prepping for Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So you have to say to yourself, what kind of lifestyle I want to lead? What kind of work life, family and friends, kind of the time I want to spend? And frankly, what kind of financial life do I want to have? Um, And then say, can I, based on my skills, build a business that fits that lifestyle need? So that would be number one, like do... Think about what kind of lifestyle you want to have and you're currently leading, and can you do something that fits that? And I think people make the mistake, they start a business, and sometimes the business is successful on the business side, but they can't live the life they want to live 
even though the business is successful. Hmm, so really, you're, you're, you're telling people be selfish, right? Oh. It, yeah, oh, yeah, because it's funny, unless you're going to have the three-year-old back there on the dishes, then <laughs> you're probably going to have to make some real serious choices whether or not you're going to be spending time at home. And if you're going to start a restaurant, I mean, there's really no, there is no choice. You got to be at the restaurant during those, those peak hours. So think about yourself first. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's one of those things that people get into the game, get into the entrepreneurial game and then find out the hard way. Now they're trying to work backwards and like, oh, well, now I need to carve out time. Although, you know, they've been doing, you know, they set everything up as if they're just going to do their business the way they were doing it. And now they're trying to carve their life into the business mm. rather than the other way around. Nice. Um, so that's that's the first one. The second one I would say is something I and I made this mistake personally, and, and it's still one you, you have to work on is. So what is your risk profile? And I think people don't think about this concretely because it's different than how you want to live or even the business itself. It's how what type of person are you when it comes to taking risks? Because that will determine the type of business that you set up. And the thing is, it's not that you can't, you can't take risks um, and therefore you therefore can't be an entrepreneur. The point is you need to understand what your risk profile is and then build a business that fits that risk profile. And then the second thing is if you're married, if you have a family, it's not just your risk profile, it's the risk profile of your family, particularly your husband and wife as well, because you're, you're going to need to bring them along when you say, man, I want to invest $5,000 in podcasting equipment because I know I'm going to start this tribe. I'm going to start this nation. It's going to be the base. It's going to be the foundation. And I'll make all this money and I'm going to blow up. And your wife might be saying, Hold up. How about, the, how about the kids? Five, two, nines. We got five kids exactly. that need to pay for tuition at some point. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to you got to really do a, a thought process and say, what's your individual risk profile and what's your family's risk profile? And then you can work around it, whatever it is. But think about that before you actually think about, well, what are you actually going to do? Hmm. So that's number two. So you got your, you, you got your lifestyle thoughts. You got your risk profile thoughts. And then the third, and this is another one of those kind of funny things that I don't think people fully do. And frankly, I tell you all these things because I didn't do them. So, <laughs> you know, these are lessons learned that I'm trying to like, don't make the mistakes I made. Um, the third is really build a financial snapshot of your current situation. Um, and you know, I'll even break down what financial snapshot is, at least the big categories. What is your net worth? What is your net income? And you'll be surprised. Someone's sitting somewhere in an office right now. And if I say, well, how much do you make? They'll go, oh yeah, I make, I make 49,000 a year. And I'll go, well, what's your net income? And they're like, well, <laughs> it's like, no, how much do you take home every month? Because that's something you need to know in order to figure out how you're going to play this game. So you know your net worth, know your net income, know how much savings you have. Um, another term that I've made up, well, people use it, is what's your debt load, right? And, and to me, debt load has two components. One is, well, how much sheer debt do you have? Um, and then secondly, how much do you have to pay on that debt each month? Because those will have real ramifications on what you can and can't do as an entrepreneur. 
Hey, Tribe, thanks for listening to part one of the Calvin Gladney interview. And be sure to tune in next week for part two. And you know what I'm about to say. Keep saying yes. Yes.